Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jordan. I just got back from Vegas, my very first trip in Vegas. Uh, I went to the gathering. It was a music conference, uh, three days of networking and shows. I got to meet industry professionals from uh, the record label side, from the publicity side, got to meet DJs and radio programmers. And they got to see a lot of uh, cool bands, up and coming bands and more established acts. Uh, the final act was Kay Flay, got to see her perform her first show in a very long time. And I actually got to film an episode of five tracks that inspired me with Kay Flay, which you can check out soon. Uh, my guest today on the show is Laura Morano. She's a singer, songwriter, and actress. You may know her from Austin and Natalie on the, on the Disney Channel. Uh, she also uh, is in Netflix romantic comedies now. She just completed one called Choose Love, which will be out in the fall. It's the very first Netflix interactive romantic comedy. So we got to talk about that as well as her uh, new album, her upcoming debut album. So here it is, my interview with Laura Morano. I guess we can just get right into it. Um, so I'm sure like everyone starts out with how do you balance music and acting? But really like I'm picturing like, is there like Tuesday's music day and Thursday is acting day? Like I'm picturing almost like this kind of linear. I know that's not how it works, but you know. It's such a great question because I still feel like I haven't fully figured it out mm -hmm. yet. Um, you know, it's so funny. I was even talking to my sister about this. Months ago, I mean, literally, this is just a few months ago, and I've been doing this for how many years? And I'm like, maybe what I should do is like per week, I have more of a focus on music one week and then acting the next week. And, you know, she just uh, laughed at me because hmm. unfortunately, both industries just don't work that way, right? It's just, right. You know, there can be super slow acting weeks and super slow music weeks and super intense music and acting weeks, weeks and sometimes those happen um, and occur on the same weeks. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna be honest, I'm still figuring out that balance. I think it does come into time management. I think what I've struggled with as well is I've, I'm getting close, I'm definitely not there yet, but I definitely have figured out a little bit more of that balance between the two. I think what is the struggle is now for like my personal life and like my home life. I think also should be a priority and definitely in the last few years has not been. So, you know, this song really came from that idea. I was going to film a movie in New Zealand and then I was doing my first tour after that. And I still wanted to write songs for the album I knew I wanted to put out. Um, and so I just like crunched literally like so many sessions into uh, a few weeks, lost my voice, like all these different things. Um, and was like, do I rest and cancel my sessions or do I write about this? And I chose number two. Yeah. This song, this new single um, that we're talking about, it's a little bit more serious, a little more heavy than your previous work. Um, you know, like, was it, is it difficult to, do you feel like, Oh, this is a serious song. Like we need to like, does it feel like a different mindset or can you kind of, does it feel just like writing a, another song with just that has a more serious tone? It, you know, to be honest, it's really just about what I'm feeling every day. So this session, I worked with an awesome producer named Todd Spadafore. 
Um, Spadafore, he's also Italian. Um, I don't know necessarily that's how he says his name with the hands, but um, Todd and I hadn't worked together before. It was our first session. And I had just left another session a couple of days prior, basically like venting into that session. We ended up writing a totally different song, but I was saying like, oh my God, especially I was, I was doing all these sessions with people I hadn't worked with before. And I just was stretching myself way too thin and was like, I feel like I can't give the best of me right now. I'm really, I'm, I'm having a really hard time. Plus, you know, I think there was definitely people in my life as well, both on a professional and personal level who wanted more of me as well, whether it was like making time for them or, you know, other kind of things. And so I think when this session came, you know, that morning, I really was like, I had way too many things to do. I knew I wasn't gonna be able to do it because I was gonna be in the session. Um, and I just like came up with this idea and I sent him a acapella voice memo, which is always also a little scary because I had it. It's raw. There's no, there's no filter yes. on it. Yeah. Yes. And like, you know, I, sometimes I come to myself on keys, this, I was like literally in my kitchen and just was kind of like on my way. And I'm like, hi, Todd, nice to meet you. What do you think of this idea? And just like sung like the verse pre and chorus idea. And he like loved it. He was super into it, which I really appreciated. He was super supportive. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll come in with an idea and the producer or writers I'm working with will be like, ah, great idea. And then like they change it completely, which happens in a session and is totally fine. There are sometimes, sometimes I'm like very happy with the direction it takes. There are sometimes where I get a little bitter where I'm like, that was really not the idea that I came in with. And I almost wish I saved that idea for another session, but he kind of was just like, let's do it. I love it. Love the idea. And the, our little baby was born. That's such a great story because we're living in the world of seven or eight co-writers and studio sessions and, um, you know, managers and publicists scrutinizing the chords you use leading into the chorus or, you know, this one little cowbell sound, you know, like everything's so oh, micromanaged. So. What is the cowbell sound? Um, yeah, you know, listen, I, I actually don't mind collaboration. I don't prefer big rooms because... Yeah. I just like can't hear myself think. And I think it, it does become a lot of like people just like jumping in. Right. But I definitely have done sessions in bigger rooms that I didn't like, definitely I, I like the song that came out of it. But, you know, especially for this album, I I have a few songs that I also just like wrote completely by myself because sometimes I think it also is important to just, whether it's songwriting or just life in general, really zone everyone else's voices out and just kind of focus on your own. And so I have been doing a lot of that, but this session, you know, it was great. It was just me and Todd and you never know what kind of comes from it. And he's like a sick producer. I think the production is so awesome and it worked great. Yeah. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to trash session <laughs> writing. I just meant that it's nice to hear an organic, like writing a voice, uh, sending a voice memo to the producer kind of story is nice. That's, that's all I was saying. No, um, I think you agree. And there is something that you feel like extra proud of it in a weird way. I'm like, right. Really it also is like very cinematic. Like, you know, I'm not just saying this because you're an actress, but, but, you know, like you can picture the scene where you're like on the phone and you're, you know, like it's very, it's very cinematic. Like I love those music bio um, scenes in music yes. biopics when they're writing their big song and it's like Johnny Cash going, I fell into a burning ring of fire. That's it. You know, like that kind of stuff. Or yeah, like in Rhapsody when, um, 
Freddie Mercury's like just starts singing that on the piano and you're like, oh my God, is right. that going to happen? Because if it is, that's amazing. Right. I will say, I don't know if you watched the Beatles documentary, the Get Back documentary, but there are like scenes where you can see Beatles songs actually being creative. Anyway, let's get back to your stuff. Um, <laughs> I love well, I can the Beatles all day. I'm very yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure you do interviews and, and you, you've answered million inspiration questions and this kind of thing. So, you know, got to keep it fresh. Got to keep it fresh. Um, that's, uh, you mentioned the debut album. Uh, I'm, it's, it is a debut album, which is kind of funny to think of because you've been singing and releasing music for so long. Yeah. So first of all, let's, before we get into that, I noticed, you know, if you look over really since COVID started, since quarantine, you've kind of had a musical metamorphosis. You've, you've, you've matured your sound, you've matured your aesthetics. Um, the videos have a, like the arrow video, very polished widescreen cinematic, you know, sexy hunk co-star, you know, um, the whole thing. So tell me about what the difference has been since COVID. Was there a conscious decision? Like now we need to hit the gas on this music career. You know what? It kind of goes back to your first question, right? About balance. In the pandemic, I didn't have a choice of having to choose between the two for the first time in my life, right? Acting was just I'm blurry. I know. You can't get so blurry. There we go. I'm <laughs> I think just gonna, like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I'm sure is very comfortable for you to just yeah. be yeah, yeah. really hunched over. Yeah. yeah. No, but the pandemic, I mean, film and television and and the acting industry was completely shut down for a few months. Um, like that industry started back up really slowly. Um, whereas the music industry, obviously the live music industry and the touring industry was completely shut down, but making music and being able to connect Oh no. You're still here. This is a one shot. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Um, making music and being able to connect with fans and listeners, that continued. And that actually I felt like intensified during COVID. So for the first time in my life, I didn't have to make a choice. I didn't have to really do the balancing act. I definitely had a little bit of a balancing act between work and home life, but between music and acting, I could just fully focus on music, which I think was really beneficial for me as an artist and as a creative. And I think a really beautiful thing for me to do um, because I didn't have that pressure of like, oh my God, I have to do something else for acting today or I have to do this or whatever. And, you know, there was definitely work I was still doing more on the producing side in the film and television world, whether it was like looking at scripts yada, yada, yada. But in terms of that balance, it was almost like the, the, the world made that choice for me because of the circumstances. And right. I think my, uh, you know, I, I think my songwriting, I think, uh, the fact that I could like focus on my voice every single day, I performed ironically some of the most I performed in my life during 2020. And I think that was all really great for me in terms of, honing in my sound and honing did in you do heart. any live stream concerts you know that was a big thing so, to do, like so many i was like just me and my keyboard or you know my uh it felt good though right it felt good though it did it was really yeah. cool i connect and kind of strip everything down and you know be able to play things just like in their simplest form um i did even like a little bit of a um 
a, you know, a virtual tour when my UEP came out, um, which was like a little bit more like tracks and lighting and stuff like that. Um, but I think some of my favorite things was just being in my like keyboard room and just playing with myself. How much do you think yeah. the, the isolation of quarantine, how much, how did that affect your songwriting? Because it's hard to write like a big Katy Perry arena pop rock anthem when you're like sitting there feeling like Fiona Apple with a piano, you know, like. Well, yeah, I think there's a few, there's a few different aspects, right? Because I think there's the emotional aspect that goes into songwriting in terms of the lyrical content. And obviously it was a time where I think so many of us felt really lost. I also weirdly had a lot of songs that I had written prior to 2020 that I was like finishing up and working on during 2020. So in terms of like actually writing, I, I didn't do that much writing. I wrote a song. It was the first time I ever put a song out by myself that I wrote completely by myself. That was a love song that I was very, very proud of. But even that song, I feel like I wrote right before the pandemic hit. I think it wasn't until um, after 2020, I was working on my us EP and I was going through a breakup that I think that, uh, type of genre that you're even talking about, the kind of more intimate, um, just like minimal sounding, which I always loved on a production side, but in, even in terms of like songwriting, um, really came to play. And I think maybe it was a combination of 2020 and the feelings that were there, all the feelings I was feeling about my breakup um, and just being able to kind of like really write um, for the first time in a long time when that, and that was like around like 2021. So I definitely felt like the pandemic played a part in that, but in terms of like actually writing in 2020, I didn't do that much of it because I had songs I'd already written that I was working on. But you refined like your sound and were able to workshop them and for sure. You know, and, and and you can also send stems to people or send tr demos to people, and they had time to give you feedback. It wasn't just like a rush thing in the car, like oh, this sounds good, you know, like no, oh no, it was mm. like obsessed about maybe too much to a point yeah. where and we had so much time to just be like, you know what? I was the person who was like, I'm not sure about the cowbell. Like it was just, it was a little too um, um, closely listened to, but I also appreciate that and loved having that time to do that. And the album, is there any, so the tough thing with releasing an album is what you release before the album comes out. Like how many singles, what you leak, what you tease on TikTok. Um, has that been, because you've never had to do this before, you never had a full length album. How has that experience been in terms of planning out the rollout of the album? Um, it's been, for the most part, really fun, actually, because I think this is the first time that I'm coming in. And, you know, the songs aren't all finished quite yet. Um, they're written. They just have to, you know, be produced and finished. But um, I know what I want to title it. I know what I want the aesthetic to be based on the title and based on like the lyrical content of the album. Um, so I have felt more than ever I've come in. I think I was very inspired by Dua Lipa's interviews about future nostalgia, where she was like, we had everything finished before I started doing anything. I definitely am not that organized in terms of like, not everything is finished and we're still doing kind of the release plan, but I knew 
what I wanted um, definitely kind of the, the first few singles to be. And I think that was also more in terms of trying to transition out from the EP trilogy that I had done. I had some unreleased songs I played on tour that went really well that I knew fans really wanted to um, have immediately. Um, but even picking like the focus track of the album when the album comes out, all of that I think was very much um, able to kind of be discussed and figured out beforehand, which is really exciting. Um, you know, but as you said before, it is a little strange. Like obviously I feel, you know, I've been releasing music for a while. It's kind of bizarre. This is my debut album, but I've also been insanely inspired by Ray and the fact that I feel like her story is really, really interesting and inspiring that she was with a label for years and wasn't able to kind of release that album, which unfortunately is a kind of a norm with labels. It's like, yeah, yeah. I won't, let's not get into label bashing, but um, I will. I will not. I will say there's a reason I'm independent. But well, I, no, I know my because because the issue, and I've I've seen this firsthand. They'll sign somebody. You get a single. You get an EP. Maybe you get a second EP. But then like, we'll get your album out. We'll get your album out. And then three, four years later, it's like, where's the album? You know. So you can kind of get stuck there. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like, <laughs> listen, I would even I wouldn't even taken an EP. Um, but I think. It's, it's really, I think an exciting time, still very hard and very challenging, but an exciting time to be independent. And it feels for me, even though in some ways it feels like it's been like the longest time coming. And, you know, I released my first single as a solo artist, like not having to do with Austin Alley or anything back in 2016. So it's been like seven years, but it, it just feels like, the right time to finally have this debut album out. I, I, I think I was also in a weird way being independent. I still had, you know, you have the creative side and then you have the kind of like business side. And I think I had a lot of fear in terms of going straight to releasing an album because I think you really put a lot of weight behind your debut album, which I think yeah. is valid. And, and also I think it just helps having a separation from um, Austin and Alley not being right after Austin Alley. Cause even if you would have released a mature adult album, you were so close time-wise to that, that people would have thought it was an extension of. Well, I still get people thinking Boombox was like um, connected to Austin Alley, which it really wasn't actually like, I remember someone saying being like, that was last time I was on Austin Alley. I was like, that song was not on it. I understand why people think little, it. Little Mandela like, effect going on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, I actually understand that. I think there was a very conscious decision on my part and my team at the time's part in having a pretty like pop song be the first um, single out. And I agree with you. I think the, the time has been nice to have between, you know, I think a time in my life that was definitely a, a music that was way more pop and felt a little bit younger and, now my music that feels definitely a bit more mature. I mean, I definitely still have pop songs that I love, like Bad Time, Good Time that I released earlier this year, and even Arrow a little bit, definitely were more like straight pop, which I don't hate. Like, I love that. And I love that vibe. I definitely think the next few songs and the majority of the album fall into um, 
I, I am definitely more like singer songwritery pop. I love the phrase moody pop. Um, and I feel like it's kind of more in that direction, but I loved also putting out more pop songs as well. Earlier in the year. Maybe we're, maybe we'll go back to that kind of two thousands era with like the fray and five for fighting and Sarah Bareilles and that kind of era, you know, I love that era. I still do think my, I feel like, um, that's your childhood era kind of. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, it's like in that sweet spot when I was what, like a tween teen and like just absolutely obsessed with that time. But I feel like, or I don't even know, maybe I was younger than a tween. Um, I do feel like a lot of the songs, um, do still feel like a little, they do feel moodier, I would say than even some of those songs. Um, but this song and then even the song I'm um, putting out after this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for people to hear it because I think uh, it's definitely more in the direction representative of what the album is going to be. Now, I got to ask, you're sitting here, is this, is this staircase behind you? Is it haunted? Are you in a haunted house? Are you in a, is this a ghost hunting situation? Well, I'm glad you asked because what I really want to talk about today is my haunted rooftop. No, it's not haunted. It looks really freaky and haunted, but I have like this like lovely rooftop patio upstairs. Like there's not even like a room. It just leads to this rooftop patio that I just never use as well, which is really, really that sad. That makes it even more haunted. So I don't even use it. It just <laughs> cut off from the world. I never go up there. Yeah. <laughs> Filled with cobwebs and spirits. Um, it is not haunted, but maybe it is. I don't know. I feel like. Are you into paranormal stuff? You know, it's funny. I'm not like super like actively into it, but I definitely believe in ghosts and uh, otherworldly paranormal activity. And I feel like I filmed um, a movie two years ago in New Zealand. And I am convinced to this day that the house I was staying in was haunted. Like you cannot tell me that it wasn't. And I'm pretty sure it was like a two story house yes and i'm pretty sure that my floor and my room was like the more haunted of the house and i think it was a nice ghost like i think he was totally fine and happy and nice yeah but there there was a ghost there no one can tell me anything different well you know have you, you would you totally i think you would be totally good in a sort of a thriller horror like yes. kind of movie would love to do i'm actually like dying to do a movie like that. A hundred percent. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking, you know, I, I, you were, we were talking about, you know, uh, moving on from the Disney channel image and stuff like that. You're kind of, you're not like an edgy person. It's not like you're like doing cocaine in the alleyway or something. You're not a, you're, you're a pretty, you're a pretty grounded, you know, wholesome looking up appearing person anyways, but but was it difficult to kind of shed that sort of kid teen Disney image? How difficult was it? Or was it difficult at all? I think everyone has uh, an opinion on how to do that and what's the best strategy to do that. And I don't know, I've always found, I've always said, and I still stick with it. Um, it's just about being, it sounds cliche, but it's true. It's just about being genuine to yourself. So I feel sure. like when you have a lot of um, people from Disney Channel who have a different road and how to shed that image, whether they want to like actively do it, whether they feel like it's so not representative. Or what do you want to do cocaine in an alleyway? I want to do cocaine in an alleyway. Mm -hmm. um, 
I feel like for me, um, I think what can sometimes be challenging is I, I don't love the idea of being put in any box. Right. And I feel like when you come from a, uh, you know, such a recognizable brand and such a, a brand that has like, um, connotations of obviously family friendliness, which I love, like I, very much genuinely love kids and love when kids come up to me with their parents or parents being like, Oh my God, I am my, I watched this with my kid. Um, but I, you know, so there's obviously a box that kind of goes into that brand. And then I think a lot of the times people want to really shed that image, but then they end up kind of being put in this like other box. I feel like I, um, always, if ever someone from, Disney Channel like had an issue with the law or something happened. It's like that is always the headline. That's kind of just like right there. Right, like, right. Because it's good. It's, it's, good. Oh, it's clickable. Yeah. It's very clickable. Always. And it's like, I feel like there is just such a um want and desire, which maybe is just a human nature thing from uh people, whether it's people, consumers, audiences, whatever you want to say, that really want to put artists um, in boxes to kind of better absorb them. I think that's what can be really tough because for me, I believe me and I believe every single person isn't really meant to just be one thing and be representative of just one thing. Um, I love feeling sexy and I love like embracing my sexuality and I love doing it also both in a way that feels genuine to me that maybe makes other people uncomfortable or doing it in a way that feels appropriate that makes other people feel like it's too safe. It really depends on the day for me and really. Yeah. Like that whole, like what's too sexy was not too sexy. is so objective. It's so, so like, well, I, I would actually argue it's actually quite subjective. Like it's like very, like I very much people have their opinion on what is sexiness. What is too sexy? What is not sexy enough? What is safe? All of these different things that, I again love that people, especially. That's what I mean. I meant subjective. I knew you did. I knew you did. But I also. But thanks for like, yeah, I appreciate it. I knew you did though, and I was like, I almost also went with it, but I was like, just in case you didn't mean that, I want to like. Thanks for not embarrassing me. I appreciate it. (laughs) I know. So sorry. Did you mean subjective? Do you Mm. know? Objective. Yeah. (laughs) I do. By the way, that all the time. I mix up words. Right. 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 Well, speaking of that whole like, what is to I think. Selena Gomez really did a great job of like putting out the blueprint of like how to do the post kid teen career is that she can do spring breakers. She can do sexy photo shoots, but also do only murders in the building and probably could go back and do a Disney movie now and no one would care. You know, it would be fit right in. So I, I love Selena so much just as a fan. And I've also met her a couple of times. She is truly as sweet and kind and good as you think she would be. Um, but I, I would also venture to say, I think uh, like every person, and I will specifically say every female or female identifying person that has come from Disney channel, I think has done their journey in the most genuine and authentic way that they can. And I have respect for every one of those journeys. Like, I love Miley. I'm a huge Miley fan. And of course, I I think a lot of people can say a lot of different things, especially about like the bangers era, but I loved it and was like such a fan and felt it was like very artistic. I also laugh because I think, I don't know if you remember, I just remember, and I wasn't on Disney channel that time, 
the Teen Choice Awards performance of when she did Party in the USA and it had like a poll. And it was like the cover of the LA Times of like how Miley had a poll in the performance and how controversial that was. And yeah. you look back at that performance and you're like- it's so tame. Yeah. Not even just for Miley, but for like a lot of different just artists. in general, yeah. It's just, it was a very different world, I think, in the world that they um, came from. It's a very different world in the world that I was leaving Disney than even like an Olivia Rodrigo. Like every year has very much changed and morphed into the current day and contemporary time that we know now. And it is funny how we look at um, back in those times of what was controversial, what was too sexy, what were these yeah. things that people were putting them in these boxes um and how when you look at it with the 2023 lens it's 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 almost feels laughable the labels we were putting on them you're you're totally right about the different paths to success the the post disney thing i mean there's been so many great examples of people having success um and their own path whether it's risque and sexy or more wholesome more on the you know jonas brothers side of things um but uh before we 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 get we in this interview, I, I really want to talk about you're in this Netflix movie. You've been doing you did Netflix movie last year. Um, yeah. um first of all, the locations in that movie, whew, amazing, right? I mean, I will just say I'm so proud. We weren't originally so the royal treatment, which came royal out. Treatment. I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah. I the thing is. I just filmed another Netflix film that isn't out yet that we also filmed in New Zealand, but that right. takes place in LA, so it's very different. Um, but the royal treatment was definitely not supposed to be filmed in New Zealand. It was, a, as the script kind of read, more like typical like European castle vibes. And right. I'm so happy. New it Zealand looks English. It had definitely has English castle vibes. Yes, yeah. yes. But I'm like so happy that we had the opportunity to film New Zealand, it really came from a necessity place of like, there was no COVID there when we were filming, um, which was- Just cheap, incredible. just cheap everywhere. Oh, just cheap and lovely people and beautiful, beautiful like nature and surroundings. I mean, I think our, I'm very proud of how our movie looks. I think it's stunning. Are you a Lord of the Rings person when you were there? Did you like do any Lord of the Rings ventures? So I had watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy for the first time in 2020. Um, so I felt, I'm glad that happened. It had nothing really to do with the fact that we were going to film New Zealand because we didn't even know we were filming at that point when I watched it. Right. But definitely felt like, oh, where we filmed the movie Dunedin um, didn't necessarily have um, any Lord of the Rings like yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a it's not a big country, but it's big enough that there's different parts of it. So yeah. But the Lord of the Rings show was filming while we were filming our movie, oh. so nothing was available, like no trailers, like it was. Oh, there was like a run on like equipment, and and there was probably yes. like I think about crews. There was like crew, yes. like yeah, crew issues. I'm, I feel so lucky the crew that we end up getting because it was like an amazing crew, and I know there was so many amazing crew members who were also. I mean, there's just a lot of. Amazing there was like interviews. Netflix and Amazon executives doing like gang battles and in, in like <laughs> like oh okay you guys work this out. Okay. Yeah. I do picture like Netflix and Amazon executives where being like rivals with like red and blue gang jackets okay. on like they're like like West Side Story style or something. You know what? I think everyone's just trying to like figure out the world that we're in. Um yeah. I will say it's funny that you even say that because I do feel 
coming from a, a Disney Channel show, there really was that for Nickelodeon. Not for oh yeah, oh yeah. Not for us. Like we and don't you dare confuse a Nickelodeon show with a Disney show or like oh, what you were again, on. Does it couldn't care? I feel like many actors and most of the actors would tell you they couldn't yeah. care less if you did. Right. But from an executive standpoint, it was a very, I don't know if it still is, but it was a very real thing. Yeah. Um, and, and now you're in the, re the reboot wars are happening now, like the Disney and Nickelodeon reboot wars. So yeah, yeah that's like, it's what, 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 what I wanted to ask before, before you go here is um, you're in this, the, the next Netflix movie you're on, you're in, is an interactive romantic comedy. So first of all, what does that mean? And second, what was it like to film basically a choose your own adventure movie? I mean, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> give me, so, give me the five minute, the four minute rundown. Yeah. Okay, I'll try to even make it shorter. Yeah. The simplest version of what it means is that it is a romantic comedy where my character um, essentially has to make a lot of choices and has on its simplest terms, three romantic love interests who were all three incredible actors obsessed with all three of them. Jordy, Abbott and Scott freaking love them. Um, and in its simplest terms, really you as the audience member gets to decide who I end up with. Um, on a more complicated terms, it, it really is like we have multiple endings with each of the guys so it isn't just like three different endings it's like multiple endings multiple choices um in terms of filming that it was really hard and one of the most intense things i've ever done listen you hear um the genre romantic comedy or rom-com and you i think have your expectations of how you know it's kind of easy to do and fluff and, you know, not super intense acting necessarily. It was the most intense acting I had to do in my entire life knowing, okay, if the audience chose this choice point and now we're in this scene, um, I will play this a different way if they chose that one. Okay. But now I'm going to do a take where I would have played it a different way if they chose the other. Option. I love that you care about what the audience experience is like as oh. an actor. It very important to me. And I think I, and I think everyone on this film really cared about that. I think I was very passionate about it as well. And I think I was very passionate about it um, from two aspects of what, how the audience is going to experience it and how we as actors could best do our jobs to make it, the, to make it the best experience for the audience. Um, so it was definitely a very collaborative set. And it was one of those things where, you know, people, obviously I have so many friends in the industry and so many friends on crews who's made movies and everything um and sometimes you can vent about different things happening in a, a movie set to your other friends who are on a different movie set but it was like we all were together and had this realization that nobody in the world will ever know what this experience was like yeah. except everybody in this crew which is really kind of special but also crazy anytime i was trying to talk to my like sister about it or anyone in my life, I felt like I couldn't, they didn't get it. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> like you don't get it. It is. And now they'll finally get to get it when they actually can see it. Um, yes, yes. And, and then, do, you, do you know the release date? It's probably in, okay. Well, I we'll, 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 when we know it, we'll, we'll put it up. But, uh, and one thing you mentioned, the 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 production values, the, the, the quality of these, the Netflix 
the romantic comedies Netflix, there, there's like the, the, the cinematography, the sets, the costumes. This is not your mom's over the air Christmas movie. That's, I, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't name any networks. I just said over the air Christmas movie. And I, and I agree. The quality is amazing. Even like, so I'm, again, I can't even talk about enough how proud I am of the world treatment because I also produced it. And I just think everyone on the crew was incredible. Loved our director so much. Are you going to do more producing or was it too much of a pain? No, I love it. I'm like, it's so intense and so much work. But you know, why don't add more to my um, list of doing Slash, you got to add more slashes. You got to yeah. add the slashes, right? But yeah. this movie, I mean, our cinematographer, Toby was the DP in Get Out. Like, which is- yeah. Yeah, that's that Netflix, those Netflix connections are coming through. Yeah. I mean, totally. Like, I'm very excited for people to see Choose Love. I feel like I completely agree. I'm so proud of the quality. I'm so proud of, like, the people I get to work with. Um, I just feel very grateful because it's, I think it's really, like, high quality, incredible people. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll let you go. The 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 new single is out now because we're recording this. It'll, yeah, the new yeah, single is out yes. now. Um. Uh, boundaries. We didn't even name it. It's boundaries. It's called boundaries. boundaries. Yeah, yeah. And the music video should be out now as well. Okay, great. All right. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much. This was so lovely. All right. We'll talk to you later, Laura. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. That was Laura Morano. Her debut album will be out this fall and the new Netflix movie choose love will be out later this year. That'll be it for me. Do me we'll be back next show. Until then, go to popdust.com for the latest in pop culture and music news. Follow me on Instagram at Jordan Edwards Studio and follow Demi on Instagram at Demi underscore Ramos. Until next time, we'll see you later.